Welcome to Technology Transfer IP. Technology transfer is the process by which valuable research, skills, knowledge, and technology developed by educational institutions is transferred to industry for development and to products and services that will benefit society. From basic patent licensing to promoting startups, entrepreneurship, and industry collaborations, while also investing in and managing technology developments. We bring you conversations with the leaders in technology transfer who will share their stories, including their successes, challenges, and expectations for the future. Here's your host, Lisa Mueller. Hello and welcome. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with David Gully. David is the founding director of the Puerto Rico Science, Technology, and Research Trust Technology Transfer Office, which was launched in 2016 as a regional effort to improve the island's innovation ecosystem. David's career includes 25 years of leading the University of Illinois' efforts in technology transfer, industry university engagements, and economic development. From 2012 to 2015, David led an effort to establish and reinforce 21 tech transfer offices in Chile. David serves on committees of the Association of University Technology Managers, the Alliance for Technology Transfer Professionals, Certified Licensing Professionals, and Biotechnology Innovation Organization. David has a BA in Political Science and Pre-Med from Southern Illinois University, a MA in Science Education from Virginia Tech, a PhD in higher education from Southern Illinois University, and he holds the credentials of a registered technology transfer professional and a certified licensing professional. And with that very impressive background, welcome to the podcast, David. Thanks so much, Lisa, for having me. It's great to be here. Well, it's great to have you here, David, and thanks again for taking part in the podcast. Uh, David, I generally like to start the podcast off by asking my guests about their journey to tech transfer Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up in the tech transfer office at the Puerto Rico Science, Technology, and Research Trust? Sure. There's one particular experience that opened my eyes to tech transfer. I was teaching sciences in Venezuela at a private international school. I took a group of students on a field trip to visit a marine science installation where they were developing new methods for open ocean farming. I learned that local university researchers were instrumental in developing new technologies and using them at this installation to increase quality and production, which would benefit the region and its economic base. It clicked, and that was my tipping point. I then went to pursue my PhD with a dissertation focused on academic engagement and technology-based economic development. So what do the what were the universities doing? So this was the 1980s in the U.S., and Baidol was only about six years old when I began. So I discovered what was happening all over the U.S. in research institutions. I joined the University of Illinois Chicago campus to implement many of the best practices I discovered, especially those in large urban research institutions. I also taught technology management in our MBA school and served as PI and co-PI in many research grants and cooperative agreements, as well as directing the university's tech transfer office. At the university's mission, as the university's mission evolved to incorporate economic development and understand its full economic impact, I was very fortunate to be at the center of that evolution and eventually rose to the system level as an associate vice president, as well as serving as assistant vice chancellor for research on that Chicago campus. 
So I've been very fortunate to have been engaged in related activities all over the world, developing partnerships, sharing best practices, and expanding the knowledge of those in our profession. After I retired from the University of Illinois in 2012, I spent three years assisting the Chilean government and universities to develop their ecosystem. That work led me to the Science Trust in 2015. That's an incredible journey throughout tech transfer. I think you have one of the most extensive backgrounds in tech transfer and and certainly on a global scale as well. So that's just incredible, David. Yeah. Well, I also got a job in my profession, so that was really outstanding. (laughs) Yeah, it's always good when you get a degree and then you get a job in that that profession. So good for you. So, David, for those of our listeners who may not be familiar with the Puerto Rico Science Technology Research Trust, can you tell us a little bit more about it, please? Sure. Well, for short, we call it the Science Trust or just the Trust. And on the island, we call it the Pidecamiso, which means the Trust. So it was it's 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 written in Act 214. It's a private nonprofit organization created in 2004 to promote the participation and creation of jobs on the island in the global knowledge economy by promoting investment and the financing of research and development of science and technology. So the trust invests, facilitates and builds capacity to continually advance Puerto Rico's economy and its citizens' well-being through innovation-driven enterprises, science and technology, and its industrial base. With a mission that by 2022, Puerto Rico is globally recognized innovation hub that develops, attracts, and retains scientists, technology entrepreneurs, and enterprises to unlock world-class creativity and competitiveness. The Trust is also responsible for Puerto Rico's public policy on science, technology, research and development, and public health. When I arrived in 2015 as a consultant, there were 10 staff, two programs, and one office location. So about five to six years later, we're over 230 staff working across 20 programs at four locations focused on R&D, public health, and entrepreneurship. Yeah, that's tremendous growth in a short period of time. And that actually makes me curious, David, why a science trust in Puerto Rico? Well, the science trust recognized the need to establish a tech transfer office in 2015. So I was brought in to complete a benchmarking of the island's academic tech transfer efforts. This included policies, practices, standard performance metrics, and resource networks. Puerto Rican universities compete with other U.S. universities and receive federal R&D funding. So Bayh-Dole applies. With total R&D expenditures, about $115 million per year, yet the opportunities to further develop any discoveries were not being addressed. So policies were either out of date or non-existent. Two universities had tech transfer offices with meager budgets and a total of three staff. The rate of patenting was 20% of what would be expected, and there were no regular licensed transla- uh, transactions. So following that benchmarking practice, the Science Trust asked me to develop operational and strategic plans for a trust tech transfer office. So how did we get started? Yeah. So the trust, again, created in 2004, had the initial vision of a science city. It was a mixed-use land site, much like a research park to be built on a 70-acre site of a large, former, and very notorious prison called the Oso Blanco, or the White Bear. Wow. Many people still refer to the location as Oso Blanco, the first 
20 years of the trust were devoted to demolition, land clearing, and abatement of the site. In fact, if you get an Uber or you get a taxi and you tell them, oh, I, I want to go to the trust, they'll look at you funny and they say, Oso Blanco. And everybody knows where you need to go then. <laughs> so it's very, very well known, oh notoriously my. well known. Okay. Um, for, for the tech transfer function, the Science uh, Trust held an open event in 2015 after I'd been there off and on for about six months, uh, they invited university faculty to learn more about tech transfer. It was very well attended, and it was very clear that there was demand. So the challenge was how to structure agreements with each university so the Science Trust could fill the gaps and provide support for tech transfer. So we launched in early 2016 with the first university using a set of agreements, an MOU, master options, and invention management, under which the university retains title to the IP. Over the next few years, uh, the university partners increased so that our TTO now serves four institutions with 16 campuses, which includes three medical schools. Now, what about tools and technologies that your office uses to maybe evaluate disclosures, track inventions, and market technologies that, that come into your office? With a complex set of partners that we have, we use a cloud-based inventor portal, a portal and a robust screening and evaluation process for each disclosure. So we provide those findings to the university along with recommendations. For the most important, important and promising technologies, the university is given the opportunity to allow us to manage all subsequent technology transfer and commercialization. So it's their decision. We use a shared risk, shared reward approach. We can support all or part of the direct costs and share license revenue accordingly, but we'll always ensure that the inventor share is maintained. So we acquired and deployed a variety of platforms and tools similar to other TTOs, uh, a TTO technology management platform, an IP analytics platform and other screening tools and third-party assessment partners. We use high-quality legal firms with IP practices aligned to the scientific areas of our inventions, and we have several marketing platforms that give us global reach, as well as using best practice templates and agreements, which are always being improved. So we've had to build this office from the ground up, securing the needed tech transfer management resource platforms, engaging the best law firms, identifying and training staff attracting interns who then may become tech transfer professionals. And we have a record of those now. Uh, the biggest challenge is how we engage the 450 or so university PIs on the island. The public land-grant university relies heavily on government support, and the private universities are tuition-driven. As a result, many professors are teaching four to five courses, which leaves little time for research and even less for engaging in tech transfer. So given that so many of your professors are teaching four to five courses and have little time for research and even less to engage in tech transfer, have you had to undertake any special initiatives in your office? Well, one of the good things about my past was I created a lot of really good networks with a lot of really good people. And so there are two specific examples of how we've connected RPIs to external resource networks. And two of those I'll mention. The first one is the Southeast Accelerator Network. About three years ago, the NIH, NIGMS, designed a new tech transfer program for the NIH IDEA states. Those are those that receive less their share, fair share of NIH funding. So we joined a group of six states and 24 university partners in the Southeast region. 
It's led by Accelerate Health, a life science and healthcare accelerator in Louisville, Kentucky, and the University of Kentucky. We were successful in our proposal, and and the Science Trust, through the TTO, serves as the state lead for Puerto Rico. It provides educational programming and project support to life science researchers and innovations disclosed to the TTO. We also, this year, started the Therapeutics Accelerator Program. And this is a new program where we partnered with Columbia University and their life science accelerators. We have 12 PIs and eight projects underway from our university partners participating in Columbia's boot camp. For those projects with the most promise, we'll provide proof of concept and validation funding, and then hopefully those will uh, result in IP and we'll be able to license those or build startup companies around them. Wow, those are two pretty impressive initiatives that are underway. So uh, we'll have to have you back on uh, in uh, a couple months or next year to see how uh, how they worked out. Sure. So, David, can you tell us how many invention disclosures, patent filings, revenue sharing agreements, royalty income, and other metrics your office had in the last year? Sure. Remember, we started in 2016 with our first university partner. We added more in 2017 and then uh, starting in 2018. But so we're four years old and we're making progress. But, you know, I'm going to be really realistic and say we're probably only three. Uh, We had a major setback in 2017 and 2018 due to hurricanes Irma and Maria, which severely impacted university facilities, R&D and programs. Our academic R&D expenditures dropped to just over $100 million. And last year, we were kind of back on track with a portfolio of 50 active technologies and 22 new disclosures, for which we filed eight patent, new patent applications, and we executed nine new agreements. So we're on the uptick again. Yeah, and, and that's impressive given the fact that you came out of two hurricanes and then it was COVID last year and a lot of tech transfer offices are down. So that that's really impressive given, I think, everything Puerto Rico has been through for sure. So David, what do you think is most important in managing innovations to give them the greatest opportunity for success? Well, in Puerto Rico, it's really building confidence in our best researchers by providing the appropriate resources and support they need. Tech transfer didn't really exist in Puerto Rico before. So they're all learning and we're learning how to teach them and we're learning from them what they need. So I wanted to switch gears a little bit, David, and ask you about corporate partners and the role they play in tech transfer with the trust. Sure. So, so you remember the trust has about 20 different programs across several different uh, channels, um, and the relationships are different within each of the programs. Uh, we manage about 28 different clinical trials sites. So we have a consortium that manages those clinical trial sites on the island. We also have an initiative with urban and rural agricultural industries. We have initiatives around sustainability and disaster recovery. We have accelerator programs, mostly for tech companies, and we're starting the therapeutic side of that. Uh, We have an SBIR program, and we have resource networks that are set up especially to try to draw on the vast number of pharma and biomedical companies on the island, but they're mostly manufacturing. So there's not a lot of R&D unless it's related to manufacturing. So we do have a sweet spot with them there. So can you give us some examples then of some uh, relationships that you have with corporate partners? 
Sure. Well, at, at the TTO, the most successful marketing platform we use provides an industry liaison function that targets our tech to industry users. So it's really, it's not passive, right? It's active. We have the liaison function embedded in the organization. The analytics and feedback help us understand who's interested, how they may be interested, and our liaison will broker the introduction. So it's worked very, very well. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it. So given those relationships with corporate partners, would you say they've led to more deals or perhaps differently structured deals? Well, certainly more. But the most important outcome is to engage the company in conversations with our researchers and inventors. The feedback and customer discovery outcomes provide new opportunities for us to design program support tools, such as proof of concept and validation funding. Now, David, I understand the Trust has a very unique accelerator program called Parallel 18. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? Sure. For short, we called it P18, right? And that's because Puerto Rico is on the 18th parallel. So what a great name. Very clever. Yeah, it's made of four related initiatives. And our, our, our motto is play hard and work tropical. So we get a lot of lot of uh, great great uh, great entrepreneurs attracted, maybe because of the motto, but also because of what we do. So it's a terrific phrase. It's used to describe its both efforts and support approach. It's located on a full floor of a downtown building to provide the right kind of environment for those kinds of accelerating companies. So these four different program elements include P eighteen, which is the parent, and like the TTO, it's four years old. We all started together. Its first director came from Startup Chile, and I knew him, so it was terrific. It attracts applicants from all over the world, especially from Latin America and the Puerto Rican diaspora in the U.S. It provides equity-free funding, accelerator curriculum, business connections, and a soft landing into the U.S. market for non-U.S. startups. So there are two two cohorts each year with about 500 applications wow. for each cohort. So there's a big demand Huge. for this, yeah. of which about 40 may be selected in each cohort. So we have maybe up to 80 companies that go through the accelerator program each year. So that's the parent. We then have a child. It's called pre-18. <laughs> so we did this especially uh, after the 2017 hurricane season to target only Puerto Rican startups and they're at an earlier stage of development. So each cohort there is made of about 20 companies, right? So it's a different kind of approach from P18. It's more the the pre-acceleration effort. So the third part of Parallel 18 is what we call P18 Connect. It's really a broker to connect participating companies with corporate partners. So it's a platform It's a marketing and communications platform that's used by P18 to make those transactions more transparent and more timely. And the fourth part of this is, again, a new part. It's called P18 Ventures. It's intended to manage the current investment portfolio, and it's working to create a new fund. Very cool program. I I love the play on words, and it sounds like it's having a tremendous uh, impact. And You also have something called a research grants program as well. Did you want to talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Well, the the grants program was one of the earliest programs and began in 2013 at the Trust. 
So it has some time and some history to it. Uh, the TTO and the grants program works together very closely, as many of the grants awarded are to university researchers for projects with promise of further development and tech transfer. So last year, for example, grants awarded $3.1 million to 25 projects. So the TTO knows who's working on what project, what kind of IP may emerge from that, and we can monitor that progress and engage those researchers at the right time. So David, could you tell us some of your office's biggest success stories in terms of whether it's successful technologies, startups, or perhaps other things? Two of them come to mind immediately. Um, The first one uh, was the first startup and the first biopharma company started in Puerto Rico from the University of Puerto Rico. It's called MBQ Pharma. All right. It was also the first TTO project from the University of Puerto Rico. So there were four inventors, two synthetic and medicinal chemists, and two cancer biologists. They were a dream team. (laughs) And it's not often that we get dream teams in TTOs, but we had them here. So it was wonderful to work with the team. And we continue to work with the team. Uh, The TTO built a very robust, and we continue to build. Uh, a portfolio of U.S. and foreign patent applications and and issued patents on both composition of matter and methods. We have improvements. We have new results. We're continuing to evolve that portfolio to add more value, de-risk, and move it forward. So the company's really focused on anti-metastatic cancer therapies. Uh, And again, a dream team to work with, which is just wonderful. So last year... um, one, one of the things we're able to do also is look at the university's existing patent portfolios and evaluate whether or not those issued patents might have some value. So we did that back in 2020, and we found one we liked at the University of Puerto Rico, and we moved it forward. So we licensed that patent uh, to Shape Therapeutics, which is a young Seattle-based gene therapy company. Our technology is focused on RNA editing techniques to target genetic diseases. In November, the company raised its Series A round, and it was a big one, and and it continues to progress. So so we're we're really excited to watch even these issued patents that have been sitting on the shelf find some traction and hopefully then benefit the public at, at the end of the day. That's awesome. Those are two really great examples. So congratulations. So, David, currently, what would you say are your office's two biggest challenges? I think the first one, I think, is to expand the understanding of innovation with our institutional partners and all that comes with those efforts. You know, when you look at universities' web pages, you'll find some universities that say innovation, uh, economic impact, we're engaging with the community, and so on. That's not necessarily the case in Puerto Rico. They're very academically tuition-driven institutions where research is secondary, right? So all of that, in order to evolve, is going to need to be segmented a little bit more, attention paid to that, and, and all, those that, all those things that come with those kinds of efforts. So I'll say that's the biggest challenge. And that's not something that happens overnight. It takes years to happen. And then secondly, which is also related to that, is really identifying and engaging our researchers by educating, collaborating, and developing new efforts to support their efforts. 
Right? When they need something, we want to know about it. Sometimes they don't know the question to ask. So we have to constantly be in touch with them uh, to find out what they need and then design the kinds of programs and support to help help uh, address those needs. And I would imagine that must have been a little bit challenging over the last year, given COVID, uh, since you can't really be together. I'm assuming you had to adapt well, a little bit that way. A little bit. But, you know, yeah, uh, well, a lot of our researchers were out of their labs for a while, but they, they got back in pretty quickly, actually. Uh, you know, labs are pretty uh, pristine places in, in, in most cases, and they know what to do. So, so they're working individually a lot of the times. So the labs opened up re- relatively soon. The students came back later. Uh, so we were able to focus on a lot of educational programs and things while they were not in their labs. So we tried to look at ways we could help them in another way uh, to educate them, get them prepared for, for the next round, if you will. Um, and it, but, but it was all, of course, a challenge. So switching gears a little bit, David, does your office have any programs to help encourage and assist women inventors and entrepreneurs or other historically underrepresented groups? And if so, could you discuss those in a little bit of detail? This is a very timely question. If you recall, I mentioned the NIH, NIGMS, Southeast Accelerator Program. And it has a great program right now uh, called Enrich. Uh, that is targeting HBCUs, and that's now being spread uh, nationally through the NIH. Well, there's another pilot program underway for Hispanic-serving institutions, or what we call HSIs, right? That's also supported by the same grant, and we are leading that pilot program. So we're focused on three different things there. University policy and practices, life science researcher experience, trends, and gaps, and university student programs to promote their involvement in life science innovation. So we've had to do research in the usual way. So we're approaching this very scientifically, doing our background literature searches, scouring USPTO studies, federal agency studies, NGO studies, and program websites and reports that give us then the most important research questions that need to be answered. And later this year, we'll be conducting a survey and developing the most important content content needed and publishing the results. So there'll be more to come on that. In this little pilot year, we're just focused in Puerto Rico because all of our universities are HSIs. But there are many, many HSIs across the U.S. Yeah. Well, good luck with your pilot. Again, we'll have to have you back on to to learn how it went and, and see what data you ultimately collected. Sure. Please do. So, David, what organizations are you and your team involved in and what value do you think they add? Well, I've been in I've been involved with Autumn since the 1990s. So it's been a long time. I'm, I guess I'm a lifer at Autumn. <laughs> so but Autumn ha- is and has been a key knowledge resource for for learning, you know, for training our staff, best practices and also building very strong networks across the globe with other professionals. And that's really important to make our jobs not only easier, but also more successful. LES is also really important for those staff whose duties include licensing. Like Autumn, LES provides key knowledge resources and a large global network. So 
if you don't know the answer, you can always find someone who does or someone who learned or someone who has advice. And people are so open and so sharing within both of those organizations. It's a wonderful profession. And those are two wonderful supporting associations. Yeah, couldn't agree with you more. Very, very giving people in both those organizations. And David, you're a registered tech transfer professional. So you have the RTTP designation. What would you say some of the biggest benefits have been for you of obtaining this designation? And what suggestions would you have for anyone thinking of embarking on the journey of becoming an RTTP? Well, I have to admit, I was on the founding board of the ATTP representing Autumn when the organization began in 2010. Uh, so one of the reasons for me getting the RTTP was I was one of the first test cases. <laughs> so I had to put all my credentials up and they had to be evaluated by my peers. Uh, so that was my first motivation. Uh, but there are two RTTPs in our office, uh, me and Carlos Baez, whose credential was just awarded this month. That's awesome. Uh, he's the first uh, RTTP from Puerto Rico. So we're very proud of that achievement. So the advantages in achieving the designation are that it really provides global recognition of skills and expertise, and it helps strengthen professional networks. I believe there are now RTTPs in more than 40 countries, something like that. There's 14 associations in 40 or more countries represented by the ATTP and RTTP group. Uh, so that is really showing our global nature. I'm also a CLP, a certified licensing professional. Uh, which is a certification for those of us whose duties encompass re a great deal of, of licensing transactions. So, David, you've had an amazing career in tech transfer and a very unique one in that you've worked in tech transfer offices, not only in the U.S., but also outside the U.S. Looking back at your career, what has it meant to you and what stands out the most? I made a good choice when I decided to focus my PhD work on the role of innovation in economic development in research universities. So it was good timing. Our profession was just beginning, and so I grew along with it. Of course, each country and region has emerged over that time, and I'm grateful for being able to make a difference. Yeah, I would say you certainly have made quite a difference, and uh, to use some tech transfer parlance, you've definitely made an impact. Thank you. So, David. I'd like to close the podcast by asking you if you could have any three wishes granted or a vision realized for your office, what would those be? Well, the most obvious, but unrealistic, is to restore the year we lost in 2017-2018 with the hurricane season. It also had an extensive impact on the island's economy, university, and people. And we're rebuilding the ecosystem. So that would be number one wish. Number two wish is to see research and innovation rise to a higher level of importance with our universities, which includes recognizing potential and impact, as well as supporting those faculty who participate. And I'd say my third wish would be to create more opportunities to engage and support faculty and graduate students in our innovation ecosystem. Well, I think those are three really great wishes. I wish you the best of luck and hopefully getting at least two of those three realized. Thank you very much. Well, David, I can't thank you enough for all your insights and time today. It's been an absolute pleasure. If any of our listeners want to reach out and ask you any questions, where can they reach you? Certainly. They can send me an email at D-G-U-L-L-E-Y at PRSciencetrust.org. Great. Well, thank you so much again, David. It's been really great to have this opportunity to talk to you. 
Thank you for listening to Technology Transfer IP. Please visit us online for more resources at techtransferipforum.com. New to Tech Transfer or a seasoned pro? Autumn is the global member organization for Tech Transfer and is here to help you get connected, get smart, and get ahead. Whether you work in academia, research, government, business development, corporate engagement, or startups, Autumn is dedicated to supporting you through education, advocacy, networking, and promotion. Join and you'll receive 20 free live webinars, as well as meaningful discounts on meetings and courses, insider access to a vast network of colleagues to help you through challenges, and a line on new technologies and the university decision makers who license them. Membership is open for 2023. Join us.